You can't keep this old prospector down. Hello, world, I'm your knockout girl. It's misbehavior, club. Hooray. And I'm recording. <laughs> I love that voice. That's my normal speaking voice. No, it is not. Yes. Once I hit puberty, this is how I started talking. <laughs> hey, it's my 16th birthday. My voice changed. Look at what happened, Bob. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to the Misbehavior Journal Club. I'm Amiel Moreno, PhD, here with... Tom Hage, PYT. And we are two... Nope. Okay, we are not too scientifically trained, but we are two certifiably funny people bringing you the behind-the-scenes look at the latest neuroscience research with humor, hand jobs, and humanity. Why did you make me say that? Hello, Tom. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Amiel. How you been? Great. Absolutely wonderful. After a nice uh, break from anything looking like work with the valid excuse of, I have covid that's right. And I saw you just yesterday. I know. In I person. Know. You did. Uh, Tom recently came out to visit Seattle for the first time. Yay. And I brought with me <laughs> the virus. Or I picked it up. Either way, I brought it into Amiel's domicile and face directly onto her face. Something that I completely blocked out until last night when I was going to sleep is the realization that right before you displayed symptoms that were severe and we thought that we needed to get tested for COVID, we went to a concert yes. with a lot of people and yes. stood around them with no masks on. Yeah. Oh. And at one point, um, a bouncer guy was talking to me. And I couldn't hear him because I'm old and mm -hmm. I was listening to old people make loud music. <laughs> and that made my old ears not hear the words of the 22-year-old kid who was telling me that I couldn't go that way to the bathroom. Like pulling it over the pants rather than going through the barn door? I thought that was okay in Seattle. I'm from the South. <laughs> you are used to having your pants hit the floor, bare-bummed, being in the urinal. Cakes out, snakes out, bare bummed. <laughs> uh, I had to go another way because I had a different color armband and it was really confusing. So I kept turning my face, what? Turning my ear, who? And I'm sure I was in close to his face, but I don't know. He only gave me a peck on the cheek, though. We went to a concert, uh, the Bad Religion concert, and... Um... Yeah, a bunch of old guys, and we were making fun of the fact that the the lead singer kind of acts out all of the <laughs> lyrics to his songs as he because they're very intelligent songs, like with words such as fecundity in them. <laughs> but maybe she not someone should just teach him American Sign Language so that he can do it that way. It was just a lot of really basic, like. This is a, our generation, and I'm part of the generation. And he's like pointing at himself and pointing at the crowd and pointing <laughs> up. And, and I'm just thinking like, here is Pointer. Where is Pointer? Here's Mr. Thumb. There's Mr. Thumb <laughs> behind the back. And where did he go? Oh, here's Mr. Thumb again. It just reminded me of 
Bible school and daycare and stuff like that as a kid. The guy is very intelligent with his PhD yes. in zoology <laughs> from Cornell University. But, well, uh, yeah, he believes in uh, very simple but exuberant gesticulations when he sings. He wants everyone to yes. know. I would be surprised if he didn't use the lyrics rain and then made like trickly <laughs> downward falling fingers. It's all came the rain and washed the spider out. <laughs> Speaking of languages and learning them, you are learning hmm, the most and least useful language of all time. Esperanto. Why? I don't know. I'm learning Esperanto because I am interested in languages in general, and I just really like the idea that this language was made as an attempt to get people to just learn a very simple universal language, and it didn't really take off, yeah. but there's a lot of language nerds out there that have communities. There's a Reddit Esperanto, wow. and people get together, so... You could, uh, yeah, it's it's feasible. Wait, do they get together? Probably not. Is there like a conference? Uh, <laughs> didn't delve that into it, honestly. I'm just, I'm a little afraid to peel back the Esperanto curtain because then maybe I will, uh, I'll stop these lessons and I, I'm on a 50 day mm. learning streak on my Duolingo <laughs> with Esperanto. Learning more about the people who are interested in something that you're interested mm. in definitely can ruin it I've, for you. Yes. That's what happened to me with the podcast, My Brother, My Brother mm -hmm. and Me. I learned more about the fans and uh, I did not like you. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't really want to know too much about the Esperanto stuff, but I thought if I learned Esperanto, because it's so full of so many French and German uh, and uh, mm -hmm. romance language cognates that it would it would help lay down a nice base coat for learning an actual useful language. So Spanish is next. I'll do Spanish next. That's so much more optimistic than than how language works in my brain, which is once you learn something, it is immediately erased. <laughs> There's no setting up some sort of foundation. That that time of plasticity in my mind has been completely lost. Anything I learn will immediately be unlearned unless I continue to do it. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, gymnastics. Which is why it's so funny when you hear men like, oh, I'm a great football player. I'm a great basketball player. And you're like, when was the last time you played? They're like, uh, high school? Like, yeah, sure, you used to be able to do something. You forgot the past tense on that. I remember myself as being very good at this activity some time ago. Therefore, I'm still good. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should check in on that. But yeah, that's me in languages. I can't retain them at all. There is no, I'm learning this, so it'll be helpful later. There's no later. There's only the present yeah, tense. And I'm sure the Esperanto I will forget because you can't walk around speaking Esperanto. Well... I, you can join groups and and get on uh, chat. Which is something we just pointed out you are not uh, interested yeah. in doing. But that's the only way. Get on those chat programs just so you can speak to people. Salutan. Chu vetero estas varma al mal varma hodiao. 
Is there a pronunciation guide, even though it's a... Would it be considered a dead language? It was never alive, so... Yeah, jeez. I don't, I don't like... think you can call it a dead, a dead language in that regard, but it's not a spoken language. Yeah, it's not a natively right? spoken language, but oh, people can not. speak no. Latin. It, it's a dead language. It's not natively spoken, but... And there are other languages like, uh, oh gosh, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that um, Swahili is not a native tongue, or at least it's not for most people because it was created as sort of a market language, if you will. If that's the one that I'm thinking of, yeah, it was never used outside of commerce. Yep. And all I know is Jumbo. Uh, oh, and habariyako, uh, which means how are you? And the response is mzuri, if you're doing fine. Otherwise, I don't know how to say I feel terrible in Swahili. <laughs> Help, my passport has been taken from me, <laughs> is the other thing that you need. I remember my mom telling me when my older brother and sister were in some school that I forget what state they were in, they were enrolled in an Esperanzo class and my mom forcefully removed them from this class. (laughs) So this must have been in the like mid 80s, late 80s. Whenever Esperanzo was making its move, the teacher was like, why are you pulling them out of this class? This is such a worthwhile thing for everyone in the world to learn. And my mom was like, this is going to be completely useless. <laughs> My kids are not spending any time learning your fake language. And, uh, well, she was kind of right. She is right. And there's no way I would want my kids to be learning that either. Um, <laughs> I'm learning it on purpose for me. But, again, I'm doing it as a hobby, as a fun thing. I'm not doing it to actually better myself not giving myself anything useful that they need to be learning languages while there's their brains are still young gavin's learning mandarin and i'd rather him learn that oh that that critical window has shut almost completely yes they, they for might both be of too them. old I right know, now yes past i think it's 11 and uh yeah everyone buy their child a chinese woman um no nope. uh how do i say this <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should buy a nanny made um, in China. Wrong. No. Sign up your children for Chinese Learning Center ASAP while they're young. Get that critical window, peoples. It is very important. It is. And if Nicole Davies was here, he would back me up on this because mm-hmm. I know he's bought several Chinese women. I mean, <laughs> um... uh, yeah, so that's it. Esperanto, I visited you, uh, brought you COVID. Uh, shared announcements. We don't have any. Just um, be good to people. Okay, and it's on to our featured journal article. All right. This is our featured paper. It comes from the journal Evolutionary Psychology. It's titled Psychopathy, a Mental Disorder or an Adaptation? Question mark. Evidence from a meta-analysis of the association between psychopathy and handedness. It's out of the University of Ottawa and Lakehead University. The first author is Pullman, and the last author is Krupp. 
The alternative title for this would be Shake My Hand, You Psycho. <laughs> Between the scientific disciplines, there's definitely a friendly rivalry, kind of like the branches of the U.S. Armed Forces. The major difference is we don't get to get out some of the venom by taking part in events such as the Army-Navy football game every year. I look forward to it every year. Perhaps we should have the equivalent for, you know, physicists head-to-head with chemists. Um, (laughs) Perhaps the branches of science should talk about this with psychology, you know, regarding a healthy way to coexist, but a number of scientists have decided psychology isn't a hard science, and so that just brings more animosity to the pile. Well, I mean... It's hard to measure something that's so variable as uh, different humans and all their intricacies. So you can just get small correlations. What is it? Uh, 0.3? Is that right? Is that wrong? That's I wish anything... it was 0.3. That's a 0.3 three... is significant. If it was 0.3, that would be a 30% chance that you could come up with the results just by accident, which is just absurd. No, it's a 0.05 is what you're going for. 0.05 is all you need? Okay. It's all you need in psychology. Yeah, and even that is uh, pretty pretty tough to get sometimes. I was uh, recently talking with somebody about you know the hard science versus the light aspects of psychology. And I heard about this discussion that I was not a part of in which the topic turned to psychology and a biochemist was bashing psychology for not being a hard science. One of the major things that psychology has offered was the stats that it has provided the scientific community. It has been trying to legitimize the results that they're producing by coming up with very specific and stringent statistical methods. And these methods have been adopted by every other major discipline of science because they're incredibly useful when you're dealing with uh, very odd things that you're measuring. That makes sense. Okay, so I do have my own dislike of physics. It's just always been a very difficult topic for me to learn and to correctly apply as physics. Um, but other than that, there's another branch of science oh, that, I know. that usually gets me very skeptical and Get even a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit angry and frustrated, which mm. is evolutionary psychology. Oh, yeah. We've talked about <laughs> this before. It's the latest bud on the stem of psychology. It's younger <laughs> than I am. It was founded in the late 1980s. And... Like a Mormon sect, they've tastelessly and posthumously baptized various past scientists like Charles Darwin or James Watson into their fold <laughs> as being evolutionary psychologists. I can see why that would you you wouldn't like that. You can't put them on your team. How dare you? He was not consulted. He did not sign up for this because it didn't exist. No, who did this? Steven Pinker? Yes. So evolutionary psychology, it kind of is a blending of different fields, uh, including evolutionary biology, anthropology, social psychology, and cognitive psychology. It's supposed to be based on Darwin's theory of evolution of natural selection, 
but the aspects that you are selecting for are more psychology or behavior-based strategies. Social, yeah. It's so much fun. I like it. It's a fun <laughs> it's a fun little thing to read about. I like the notion that we develop logic uh, because of our need to suss out cheaters in a social situation. Hmm. I've got a society of people, and as long as everybody works works together, then everybody's going to get the maximum benefit. But there's always going to be a few outliers that are going to be sneaky and sort of take advantage <laughs> of the situation. You're like, ah, I've got more of the plant material that we eat uh, because no one no one looked. I like your use of the word notions. It seems like evolutionary psychology is full of these really interesting notions, quote unquote, because they can't technically be hypotheses. The limit is uh, that the theories and the assumptions often made by evolutionary psychologists are not fallible. And that's a major thing for the essential nature of scientific experimentation. I mean, call me a purist, but give me a hypothesis that can directly be tested or save it for the fiction section. Noodle stories. <laughs> that is such a deep cut. It's I an don't old think... callback. Oh, my God. I knew you'd get it. Um, <laughs> well, I want to say that isn't this the same thing? You're saying how the hard science, uh, physics and, and whatnot, give uh, psychology in general a hard time because you, it's yeah. really hard to measure this stuff. Well, this is, uh -huh. this is something that you really can't measure at all. So you have to <laughs> – you don't like it because it, it veers into philosophy, which is thinking about thinking and coming up with ways that seem plausible for why we think or say or do certain things. And it's uh, people have referred to it as just so stories sometimes. And I, I, I understand that criticism. Yeah, if it's my criticism is if you can't test a hypothesis, it's not a hypothesis. You're just post hoc deciding a story that fits what you're seeing. That's not science. Anyways, I wouldn't put it past anyone who calls themselves a scientist to not be creative. And recently, a group of evolutionary psychologists, researchers, devised a method to test one of their specific, previously untestable hypotheses. In a new paper in evolutionary psychology titled Psychopathy, a Mental Disorder or an Adaptation, Evidence from a Meta-Analysis of the Association Between Psychopathy and Handedness, these authors used a method that I've never heard of before handedness, like if you're left or right-handed, as a sign of neurodevelopmental perturbations, quote-unquote. It's a fun word. Perturbations. It's something that I would use as an insult to a drunk person so they didn't quite know <laughs> I was insulting them. Perturbations. Please use that in a sentence uh, to a drunk person <laughs> right now. Hey, I'll start. Okay. Hey, Lively, uh, what's your name? You got curly hair, and I smell good. Do I smell good? It seems like your sensory faculties are experiencing some perturbations, sir. I'm going to go talk to my friends now. Oh, got me all hard. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what they say when I'm talking to... This sounds like an old miner. <laughs> I've been 
prospecting in these hills now in 20 odd year <laughs> i'm sure gonna find gold or silver or maybe even an army in one of these little hidey holes i'm so surprised and and curious as to what brought you to this urban bar location that we find ourselves in but um well, i gotta head on down to the watering hole <laughs> Their question was, is psychopathy really a mental disorder or has it been selected for as an advantageous trait? If it's the latter, then we can finally get the Frisbees off the roof. No. If it's the latter, an advantageous trait, then it would be considered a, quote, life history strategy. That is an example of a term in psychology that you'd have to memorize for the test because you can't decipher exactly what it means by... The words used. Yes, I'm very confused. I'm just trying to figure out what it could mean, just yeah. intuitively, and I can't. What's it mean? Life history strategy. Sounds like a self-help book. It seems to be that it's a way that a person or an animal could consistently use an approach to be successful in life. And successful in life would most likely mean surviving a long time in order to pass on your genetic material. Name of the game. The genes are what drives our behavior yes. back to evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. I, w I would like to say, um, speaking of evolutionary psychology, Richard Dawkins, when he wrote The Selfish Gene, uh, at the very end of that book, he talks about memes. He coined the term memes as a unit of cultural transmission. If a gene is a unit of, uh, of DNA transmission, then memes are a unit of cultural transmission. And he meant a meme like as a fashion, ways to say certain things, or um, yeah. or shaking hands in the West and bowing in, in Asia, and the internet immediately turned it into something totally different. It was a good book. I enjoyed it, but it's definitely um, it's a lot of it is referring to how our behavior is is designed to procreate, maximally create our uh, uh, the best environment for our genes to survive, not necessarily us. Yeah, you summarized that correctly. Um, that sounded Who? judgmental. No, I mean, <laughs> do I get a cookie? Sorry, I mean, <laughs> should have said something like, "Yes, you're correct." No, oh, I but it's so hard. That was a B plus. Congratulations. <laughs> oh. I just hand you a post-it with a B and a plus sign on it. Why no A? <laughs> I know. You know why there's no A? Is that what you're I know why say? there's no A because I don't apply myself enough. <laughs> Tiger bomb. When I read The Selfish Gene, it was knowing that I was going to, after reading the book, donate the book to a men's prison. I was in the course of collecting books in my apartment that I was asking friends and different people in my life to donate books because I was going to make a drop off to a men's prison for their library. I heard that their libraries are usually lacking in material, mostly because the insides of books have been cut open for shiv placement. And while I was reading The Selfish Gene, I knew that it was going to be handed off to them. And did that color your experience of the book at all? A little bit, but only abstractly. Only in that, like, as I was poring over the words, I would think that these words could also be poured over by a totally different type of person next. So you were applying a non-cognitive strategy? What? Because you weren't thinking about it. <laughs> Non-cognitive strategy. Oh, that's another great insult in the bar. 
<laughs> for the unsuccessful pickup attempt. Oh, I'm sorry, are you applying a non-cognitive strategy here? <laughs> <laughs> you have caused a wave of perturbations amongst the uh, female population in this particular bar, sir. <laughs> it seems as though the average distance of a female to you is greater than <laughs> any other men in this bar. So evidence suggesting that psychopathy is an advantageous trait would support the adaptionist hypothesis. The adaptionist hypothesis predicts the presence of psychopathic individuals could be explained by social exploitation, offering a useful means to navigate the world. Basically what you were saying earlier, a cheater. If you have a cheating strategy, if you have a cheating life history strategy, you would be able to benefit in the world. In a world. But in order to continue to be useful, the trait has to be at low levels of prevalence. This is called negative frequency dependent selection. A trait that in order to continue to be useful has to have a low level of prevalence exactly all right so low frequency because you don't you you don't want to get caught or you don't want to make it seem like this is what you do or it was just an honest mistake or it was this minor thing you can't do it too much or you get caught right that's how no. i see it it's not the activity <laughs> not the activity specifically it's uh low prevalence means that other people aren't also using that strategy okay okay yeah. Only the outlier cheater people. If everyone was a psychopath, being a psychopath would no longer be advantageous. You need to be able to take advantage of some rubes, but the trait is still favorable and selected for over generations as long as not too many people are out there taking advantage of one another. Wow. And then there's Twitter. Did I just blow your mind? What about Twitter? <laughs> All of the, all the assholes are on Twitter. I made a joke that didn't land anywhere <laughs> in the land, in your head, in the sand. That joke didn't make any sense, man. <laughs> and now you're turning feet red. Oh, look at you. You're all blushing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to figure out. I'm going to learn how to edit video just for this. <laughs> Thank you so much. For the listener, I was gesticulating. Back to the paper. The idea is psychopathy is not a mental disorder. It's not a mistake in biology because it's a strategy with positive effects on fitness. And these effects could be selected for. These authors are saying that it's a variant and extreme form of social behavior. The authors point out that other adaptations can have extreme forms. For illustration, they offer that, you know, you can have a beneficial tail that offers some fitness, but the tail could on some individuals be too long. Or you can have a bone that needs to have some flexibility and you could have some individuals that that bone is too dense. Mm -hmm. This would be a social adaptation and extreme variant of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like the peacock's tail. I get it. There's a, a low light in there that I'll just save for a little bit. Okay. So what made me bring this paper to the show was, of course, that it was talking about psychopathic subjects. You know, it's just one of my areas of interest. 
Um, but this approach, this method, this handedness, if you're right or left hand dominant as a sign of neurodevelopment perturbation required a lot more research for me to wrap my mind around. So the, this method supposes, you know, that left-handed people are just defective. Well, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of defective people out there. Around 10% of the population is non-right-handed. And I learned that that's the term that's preferentially used in this, these types of studies is not left or right-handed, but non-right-handed as a group of people who can include ambidextrous and left-handed people. Right-handedness. They never mention no-handed people. No-handed. Right-handedness <laughs> is, is the norm, so it's not right or left-handed. It's either non-right-handed exactly. or right. I've got a small list of non-right-handed psychopaths. Yeah. Including Barack Obama, Bill Gates, Oprah, Babe Ruth, and Napoleon. All left-handed? All left-handed. Probably all psychopaths. Including Leonardo da Vinci. I don't know how they knew. Probably the same way that he I... He killed a lot of kittens. Wait. <laughs> I, I assume that they tested Leonardo da Vinci the same way I tested my cat by putting a treat in a little coffee cup and seeing which, which of his paws he uses to get it out. You did? Which paw did he use? He's a right paw cat. Okay, good. We don't have to kill him. <laughs> All right, so the logic of this... Let me step you and the audience through this because yeah. I don't necessarily agree, but this is what the authors have put forth okay. as far as I can tell. I'm here okay. for it. A mental disorder would be a mistake. Yes. An example of that might be schizophrenia. That doesn't offer any fitness to the person in general. Yeah, that's very detrimental to your success and the success of your offspring having such a mentally debilitating disorder. Some of these mistakes happen during the formation of the brain and are called neurodevelopmental perturbations. During development, the brain has to experience lateralization. Our brains have two hemispheres that are not exactly mere images of each other. Sometimes there is a lateralization in which a task is specifically assigned to one hemisphere over the other. For example, our processing of language is primarily in our left hemisphere. Yeah. Okay. I get it. And as far as the, uh, the brain lateralization, I remember in undergraduate psych classes, I took some examples of brain lateralization specifically. Uh, oh, yeah. And left-handed uh, people and that some left-handed people, the uh, specific areas like speech areas, you've got Broca's area, I think it's one of uh -huh. them. But that's always on the left, left side of the brain. But then a left-handed person might have it somewhere else. Maybe it's not. Hmm. It's still in the left side of the brain, but it's in a, a slightly different area or there's evidence that it's on the right side of the brain or part of it is on the right side of the brain. And I remember asking a professor about that and him saying that the bicameral model of a brain breaks down once you start dealing with the lateralization, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm an undergraduate. Why did I ask a question? <laughs> Next step in the logic, stochastic events in development are linked to problems with brain formation and brain lateralization. One neurodevelopmental perturbation could be a issue with this brain lateralization process. And this can be disrupted during development if, let's say, 
you're a mother and you experience a severe illness during pregnancy. There have been a number of studies that have found that adversity and issues in neonatal development have resulted in higher rates of left-handedness. And so there's an association that can be made between people who are displaying left-handedness being overly represented in groups of individuals who have also experienced some sort of adversity neonatally. This is all making sense to me. Non-right-handedness is a easily visible physical manifestation of problems with brain formation. Disorders like schizophrenia are also associated with left-handedness. So the logic of these authors is that left-handedness is the result of disrupted brain lateralization. Okay, I get it. And the conclusion of this logic made by these authors is if psychopathy is truly a disorder, a mental disorder, it would also be associated with left-handedness, such as other disorders like schizophrenia. That So it makes sense what you're saying here. Um, and, and also... My knee-jerk reaction is, oh, you're saying lefties are psychopaths? I'm going to have to stop you there because that's just their hypothesis. Remember, they're trying to determine if psychopathy is a mental disorder. Yes. And their strategy is to see if it is connected to left-handedness. All right. So psychopathy was not found to be correlated with handedness a sign of developmental perturbation. And their conclusion was that this supports the adaptationist hypothesis. They're saying that uh, in their hypothesis or their findings, they're not seeing left-handedness associated with psychopathy. And they're saying psychopathy, unlike um, a, a serious mental disorder, is something that is actually uh, desirable in, in the organism. They're finding that psychopathy isn't linked to something associated with Brain malformation suggests that instead of a malformation, it could be a purposefully adaptive trait. But when I listed the logic above that what seemed to be what the authors were presenting, I might have misunderstood something. There were a lot of holes that I saw in that that I hope the listeners weren't shouting at me about thinking that I was saying that this is unflawed and beautifully presented. They're driving down the road just screaming, how dare yeah. you? <laughs> what the fuck? That makes no sense. All right. So the authors in their paper cited previous findings uh, that issues during neuronatal development are associated with lateralization abnormalities, as well as non-right handedness. But scientists are actively debating the origins of handedness. Even in this paper, Pullman and all cites previous findings which suggest the messiness behind this well-known and universal phenomenon of handedness. There are studies that put forth compelling evidence that there is a genetic or an epigenetic relationship to handedness. Scores of 0.66 heritability are potentially viable explanations of handedness suggesting that it's not all caused by perturbations that occur during development. There's evidence for it being selected for and evidence for it being an, an accident. Is, is that what I'm, what I'm hearing? There, there's too much nascent research right now. It, it's not settled. And they're making a, an assumption. 
as far as I could tell from the research, simple models to determine this have utterly failed. It's a very complex uh, phenomenon that scientists are actively working on. So the point that seems to be one of the linchpins of their logic that this is a malformation, a perturbation, is already on shaky ground. Shout out to Ned Flanders' leftorium. It's like doing no research at all. No research at all. No research at all. <laughs> I definitely remember that episode. <laughs> oh, my favorite part of that entire episode is when Mr. Burns is having problems opening a can. What did he say? There was a. I hold on one. I want to look up the quote. <laughs> Damned infernal gizmo. Make kingdom for a left-handed can opener. Uh, Mr. Burns? Come on, Homer. Tell him about the store. I'm dying out here. Sorry, Flanders. And he has a cat. And then there's no other <laughs> reference to this cat at all. That, that he has a cat. So really? I don't ever remember Burns with a uh, with a cat. That's funny. Only when he's petting it maniacally. And then when he finally gets the left-handed can opener and he starts opening it i'm looking for that line now and i'm finding a bunch of reviews for left-handed can openers god damn it <laughs> oh they're real <laughs> oh god okay burns when he finally gets his left-handed can opener he says has turned, is it not, my tin-plated friend? <laughs> Look at you, you who were once so proud. Feel the wrath of the left hand of Burns. <laughs> oh. Why do you say ew? What's ew? The left hand of Burns. That's that's where he gives you the bad touch. That's um, getting into the psychology of Tom a little bit. <laughs> okay, so another area of law... Laud Flogic that this <laughs> Laud Flogic. <laughs> the Laud Flogic of this. I'm paper. Rob Loblo. This is my law blog. Just because some neurodevelopmental perturbations are related to handedness doesn't mean all perturbations will be the result of lateralization fails. Authors don't list all the maladaptive disorders not associated with lateralization issues. So they've essentially proven, in my opinion, very, very little with this, unless they can somehow claim that the majority of mental disorders are connected with handedness, then their findings might be able to hold some water. But short of that, it, it's just showing that it is not, it doesn't have anything to do with lateralness. I want to get you one of those big red buttons that Staples had for a while. Except mm -hmm. every time you press it, it just goes, that was an assumption. Yeah, I need my button. <laughs> flawed logic. Definitely some flawed logic here. <laughs> the other question that I had was about the number of people that have these collections of traits that, that add up to psychopathy. And it really is an adding up when you're looking at the behaviors that need to be displayed by an individual so that they qualify for antisocial personality disorder, it's a hard number. And aren't psychopathies like this infamously difficult to measure because it requires a certain amount of, of self-reporting or admitting 
And for instance, narcissism is almost never uh, mm. diagnosed, as I understand, because a narcissist doesn't admit that there's anything, quote unquote, wrong. Of course, that gets into the whole wormhole of what we're discussing here, but they're, so they certainly wouldn't admit that they have a, an issue. I'm sure it's often diagnosed, but maybe not as often accepted. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do have a, a, a problem. Nobody's going to... S- oh, God. I don't okay, think narcissists so have therapists. There was a very specific person uh, on my kickball team <laughs> who had some uh, social deficits that were really unique. I had I hadn't come across somebody like this before. Uh, it's hard to because all of these are anecdotes. It's hard to just uh, apply. Oh, he was blank, and he was this other blank. But he seemed to be genuinely a interested person and the people around him and wanting to interact. He wasn't holding back and you know carving stuff in his arm. Um, <laughs> I seek to interact with humans. I mean, fellow humans. <laughs> I'm something of a human myself. <laughs> All right. So this guy, I uh, he expressed interest in the podcast. And as a favorite episode to send him, I sent him our Halloween episode where we talk about sociopaths. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, well, I actually have antisocial personality disorder. And oh, yeah. And I was like, he knew it and you recognized it. He admitted to it and told me there wasn't very much judgment. And I didn't know what direction he was going. So I replied back, then it might be difficult to hear about the specific genetic components of this. If it's if it's close to home, uh, check out this other episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it definitely put it in a different light that, uh, you know, these people are present and he definitely had behavior that was not commonplace that I noticed. Was it, would it be described as behavior that could be detrimental to the group or to others, but possibly beneficial to him and he just didn't give a shit? Well, he was very judgmental, um, and controlling. Mostly the judgmentalness was, uh... I don't know. It wasn't harsh, but it was inconsiderate. Does that make sense? He's a he's a gentle, judgmental person. Yeah, he was he was telling people feedback, but not considering that the feedback could be interpreted difficult by the person. Yeah, I, I don't know how else to explain. Like I said before, I can't explain it. It was just abnormal. People that are assholes that like to say, I just tell things like it is. You know, I just don't hold back. I just say what what no one else is saying. Uh, So I think that was the only instance in my life where somebody came out to me as having that particular mental disorder. (laughs) I'm coming out. Should not be in society. You should be afraid of me. No, just because you have antisocial personality disorder or a psychopath does not mean that you pair that with violence towards individuals. I'm going to take advantage of a social situation. Damn it. Okay. All right. So, I hope he's not doesn't listen. God damn it. <laughs> I can't. The, the amount on the cutting room floor with you, Tom. Okay. <laughs> One of the other questions that I had while reading this was, 
concerning the distribution of these traits. If this was an advantageous trait, then you would think that it might not be normally distributed. You know, uh, going back to the analogy or the illustration that the authors used in regards to tail length. There is an optimum tail length for an animal to be able to use a tail functionally. And if you have a particularly longer tail, it could lose its functionality. Well, let's look at uh, the display of psychopathic traits. If being at the extreme end of that scale, having a lot of psychopathic traits was advantageous, well, would it still be normally distributed? Or would you see a little bump, an increase maybe small, but at that end of that social spectrum. It made me look up some other studies in which they looked at the distribution of these traits in a population, because this is just a different way of exploring this hypothesis mm -hmm. of if it is advantageous to have these traits. So what does this distribution look like? Um, turns out psychopathic scores are half normal distributions. According to Coyd et al., quote, there's a half-normal distribution of psychopathic traits in the general population, with the majority having no traits, a significant portion with non-zero values, and a severe subgroup of persons with multiple associated social and behavioral problems. That's from 2009. But there isn't a, that little bump at that far extreme end that would suggest that it would be selected for and, and have maybe a higher rate of prevalence. If you're looking at um, the likelihood of lying for one's own benefit, there was a study that we discussed on episode 26, in which we discussed a study from Spear, Smid, and Boxtum that looked at the likelihood of lying for personal gain and found that it was normally distributed. In there, you measured how much people lie. And most people fall in the middle, and then there was this nice, beautiful bell curve towards the ends, the extremes of people who lied not at all or all the time. I'd be curious as to how they measured that, because people don't like to admit to that sort of thing. This was a test where the participants were presented a picture, and they were to say how many um, differences they could recognize between its exact copy. Okay. And the number of differences sometimes were nothing. They were not going to be tested later by saying, okay, you see the difference? Where is it? Mm -hmm. uh, but if they said that they could recognize that there was a difference, then they would get a reward. I see. Yeah, it was a measurement of line, and then they looked at the brain activity. I see. Of those people. So it wouldn't kind of encourage lying. So if someone has a predisposition to doing that, then um, you'd be more likely to do it. Yeah, I, I, I can see the logic in, in that. If I was an evolutionary psychologist, how would I address this question? I would want to look at the distribution of this and compare it to distributions of other negative frequency dependent selected traits. If it's similar to those, then maybe I would suggest that I had something and go to the evolutionary psychologist's annual corporate <laughs> retreat and brag so much to all of the other liars. I mean, people there. Are they psychopaths? <laughs> Yeah, then I would 
do that study to that population. Now, I wonder how many of the authors of this paper are left-handed. Because <laughs> in the end, once you boil down the logical steps presented by Pullman et al., 10% of the population should raise their left-handed pitchforks in protest. <laughs> Left-handedness is a sign of neurodevelopment perturbation that they're just resting this hypothesis on. I think it's a, a bit much. Evolutionary psychology, the sinister side of the field. I, I, I can say that as far as um, preference, yeah, uh, I developed a preference for one specific activity with my left hand, uh, but that was sometime <laughs> after I discovered what you can do with computers when I was a teenager. You are not alone. A lot of men that have been open enough to talk about masturbation with me have admitted it as much. They will need their more dominant right hand to navigate the mouse and uh, quickly click away if they happen to <laughs> think that they're reaching climax with the male actor on the screen and, and various <laughs> other corrections that need to take place during the act of self-copulation. Um, yeah, well, it's a lot easier. You, you need uh, more finer motions with the mouse and more gross motions with the hand that's doing the... Um, the grossness. The, the hand that's doing the gross manipulation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Would you like to play a pointless educational game? Yes. All right. It's time for pointless educational games. Love it. Okay, I'm going to list some animals, plants, or scum, and you are to guess... What's the third category? Scum. And I know they don't have hands, but they do have a preference in directional movement. In this game, you are going to guess if the following species are more likely to use their right hand, their left hand, or have no-handedness at all. The equivalent for humans, most of us are right-handed, 90%. So if I were to suggest human, you would guess correctly. Right-handed, okay. The first species, walrus, or adobenus romarus. Well, I've got nothing to inform this, uh, this answer, so I'm just going to go with right-handed, right-pawed. Correct. Ooh. Based on observations of the underwater feeding behavior of wild male adult Atlantic walruses, video recordings indicate a predisposition for the use of the right front flipper during feeding. Okay. Okay. Our next one is a category with a number of species in it. Great apes. I'm going to say right-handed uh, because we are closely related to them and we are right-handed. You're correct. Hey. Great apes are notorious for being right-handed. Next, cats. Oh, my cat's right-handed, so I'm going to say right-handed, right-pawed. Actually, it's about a 30-30-30 split. 30-30-30. Yeah, 39% of cats are right-pawed, 36 left-pawed, and 25% have no preference whatsoever. Okay. This is an example of scum. Putin. Vladimir Putin. Left-handed? No, he is right-handed. Oh, damn it. But he generally gets Trump to jerk him off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Trump's right-handed, too. Okay, another example of scum. Slime mold, or Farium polycephalum. My research deals primarily with mold spores and fungus. 
<laughs> I would say... Uh, Thanks, Egon. No, <laughs> thank you. Uh, wow. Uh, Private's in movement. Uh, I would think that they're moving based on uh, feeling warmth or light, so they wouldn't necessarily have a preference one way or the other. I don't know. I'm going to say left. Slime mold, which is unicellular, yet possesses macroscopic complex structure and behavior, in laboratory experiments were found to turn right in 74% of trials. Okay. The next example of a disgusting animal, Dick Cheney. What a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> he's probably right-handed. He has had this information scrubbed from the internet. Next animal, <laughs> Octopusus octopus Ooh. vulgaris. Octopus is octopus. Okay, so obviously they have multiple limbs, but uh, maybe you can guess if one side of themselves is preferred or do the they, front half or the back half. Do they prefer one side of their radial symmetry? Uh, I'm thinking of all the various videos I've seen of octopodes opening up jars. Um, mm -hmm. And they just seem to just use them all like all at once so uh i don't know i'm just gonna guess left again they are nothing nah, of course it seems as though the preference is based on the individual but they do have handedness on an individual level oh interesting being left-eyed they're more likely to be left tentacled oh. and if they're right-eyed dominant they're more often right tentacled oh i forgot about the left-eyed right-eyed isn't that the thing where you hold your thumb up and you see when you close one eye or the other, with which eye does the thumb jump? That's more with animals that have front-facing vision. That's true. Octopuses have eyes more located on the sides of their head, yeah. but they do have a preference. They'll turn their head so that their favorite eye is facing something that they are wanting to focus on. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, and our last aminals is uh, mice and rats. Mice and rats. Mice and rats. They're also pretty close to humans. I'm going to say right. Rodents display individual, but not population level lateralization for limuse. Mm. So they are an either or kind of peoples, uh, non-peoples, um, animals. Sometimes you feel like a left. Um, Sometimes you don't. Non-human animals. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well. That's the, end of the, that's the end of that. And that was pointless. <laughs> it was yay oh my gosh okay i think it's time for closing ceremonies okay <laughs> how annoying is that it's been 40 episodes should that not, not be the closing ceremony sounds anymore well, you can have my version from here forth. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the end of the episode. We would love for you to follow the show on Twitter at MisbehaviorJC, and it's on Instagram at the same thing. I like to put a lot of entertaining stuff on there. You can find me, Amiel, at CurlsPhD, Leah, our off mist hostess at Hawks and Socks, and that's Hawks with an X. I think she uh, right now looks like. Uh, she is going to be signing up for episode 42. And you can find Tom Hage at... I'm on Twitter somewhere. I think it's Tom 2.0. I have no real presence on Twitter. My handle is Tom Bombadildo. And you can find me on Twitter if you search for that. 
he is currently freshly off of COVID, so ready to get out there. Oh, yeah. With his newfound natural antibodies. And as we discussed in our last uh, COVID uh, episode, I'm, I'm trying to find more ladies for the podcast to simply to listen <laughs> to the podcast. Shout out to all those ladies who are listening right now because they're downloading classic episodes that we recorded years ago and not right now this second. Isn't time weird? I think that any ladies that you meet, if you tell them that, you know, hey, well, you can catch some of my <laughs> funny witticisms oh. on a particular podcast. Well, they'll they, jump at the chance. Of course they would. Yes, that's what women do. Um, jump at chances. My takeaway for this week is I don't think you should stop wearing masks inside yet. I kind of think you should apply some mask wear when you're going into a business just to protect yourself. I got the COVID. I didn't like the COVID. I survived it. Um, I know a lot of people have already experienced it, but that doesn't mean you can't get it again. Use that hand sanitizer, wear masks, and avoid unnecessary travel. I know everyone's sick of whatever city they're stuck in, but doing it encourages other people to travel, and I don't think it's a good idea yet. It was so lovely to see you in person, Tom, and it had been way, way too long. It was very nice visiting, yes. I'm sorry we didn't get to... But it was really unfortunately we were both sick. Yeah, we had so many plans. We didn't get a chance to do really all of our plans but uh we didn't do things with other people except for the first uh, couple of nights in which i was probably mm -hmm. freely spreading the virus around <laughs> and um it was and we couldn't go to the sex it was just club a cold, no sex we club go to mount rainier and we all couldn't, these other couldn't things. even go to the mountain we couldn't go to your friend's uh party we, we couldn't uh, no. I, I couldn't meet your 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 aunt oh i know Oh, remorse. Yes, don't be like us. Wear masks. Dear God. You know, I just Ugh. chime in here because I tried to come up with another useful takeaway, but honestly, this is so, this is in such a forefront in my mind right now, just as it is with you, because we did both just deal with the COVID, and it's, it's very deleterious to your well being in general. It screws up all sorts of stuff. So definitely wear a mask. And I know. People are not wearing masks as much. I can tell you it is a false sense of security because whatever this new hotness is that's on the streets, man, it's going to get you. I got to say that, Tom, you were so dumb when you had COVID. <sighs> Before any other symptoms popped up, he was just forgetting anything that I told him. I kept on having to repeat the same thing because he was staying with me and so he would need to know where the trash can was, where this thing is, recycling goes over here, uh, we're leaving in 10 minutes, like just basic stuff. And I was worried. Has Tom developed some <laughs> sort of Alzheimer's early onset? Well, and for those that don't know me, uh, I am naturally very much a space cadet. Th this was on orders of magnitude far, far greater and uh, even days later, she, I would make comments like, oh, look at this thing or, oh, look at that thing. And she would say, you've pointed out that particular building to me before. Do you remember? And I had no memory of it. Or oh. like, you made that exact joke. I'm pretty sure that exact <laughs> kind of didn't land then either. And I had no memory of making the joke. Mm. And 
It was not fun. And you never know how severe you're going to experience it uh, when you've mm. had a vaccine and then you still get COVID. So please be careful out there. We care about you real much. Thank you for allowing us into your auditory pathway. Don't allow viruses into your respiratory system. But tell your friends and tell your enemies about the show. Just don't tell your PI. Please subscribe. And and if you don't want to do that, just go on and find something that when you roll your finger over it, it uh, selects various star levels and select the number of stars you would like to give us. That really does help. Uh, we want more people to listen so that I continue to do the show. We hope you join the club again soon. Yay! Next time. Next time what? We'll see you next time. Good job, Tom Tom.